You're listening to an Irreverent Media Podcast. Go to irreverent.fm for more content from our phenomenal, amazing friends. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin Garcia. I'm your host, and this is episode 160, which is, I just want to say, I have to pat myself on the back because this is three weeks in a row on a Tuesday, we get in these podcasts out. I'm just really proud of myself because I've had trouble with consistency. So like, I got to like high five myself a little bit. So oop, there you go. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Um, today on the pod, we are talking with my good Judy Lucas Wilson. Lucas, uh, or Luke, you know, depending on who's talking to him, um, he is a PhD student in Canada and is currently applying for a couple postdocs. But among other things, he's a part of the Religious Exemption Accountability Project, also better known as REAP. It's the, the lawsuit being brought against all these Christian universities who discriminate against LGBTQ, LGBTQ students. Wow. Yeah. You guys remember when I'm an ally, so I know how to pronounce these things. Anyways, <laughs> Lucas um, was also a, he's a survivor of conversion therapy like myself, and he actually went to Liberty University, the uh, infamous, I guess, evangelical university recently uh, presidented by Jerry Falwell Jr. So in this conversation, we talk about uh, the conversion therapy program that's still going on at Liberty University. So trigger warning, content warning, we're talking about that shit. So take care of yourself while listening. And we're also gonna talk about the the politics of Liberty University, how Donald Trump became not just a friend of Jerry Falwell Jr., but kind of came like a, uh, a figurehead for the evangelical movement in the past few years. So I'm super excited. Uh, if you don't know already, uh, this show is supported by all the folks on Patreon at the Crowded Table online community. Go to patreon.com slash Garcia to learn how to become a patron. And uh, you're going to want to be a part of this because there's some really cool shit happening in 2022, baby. Yeah. Anyways, uh, wherever you are in the world, I love you. I hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation with my good Judy, Luke Slamdunk Wilson. I'm just kidding. That's his Twitter handle. Um, uh, Enjoy this conversation with my friend, Lucas Wilson. And I was really thinking <laughs> what? Um uh hi everyone. Uh I'm here with my friend Luke Slam Dunk Wilson. That's his actual middle name. Um and Luke, welcome to a tiny revolution. Glad you're right, Kevin. It is great to be back. It is. You so you're back. This is time number two, because you were originally on Gay at Liberty University to Electric Boogaloo. You can go but go back and listen to that one if you want. It's true. What you said is true. Yeah. Um, and a lot has transpired since we left. So two things. A, we were here to talk about um, just some lovely things that have come to light around Liberty University since we last chatted. And we're also here to talk about REAP, which is the Religious Education Accountability Project. Religious Exemption Accountability Project. But yes, ah. they're phenomenal. And we'll talk about yes. Um, so first of all, please, for the, how do you introduce yourself at dinner parties now to your friends? Um, or how, how, like when someone says, oh, what the fuck are you about? What do you say? Kevin, that, that, that assumes that I'm invited to dinner parties. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, aren't you guys I, more open in Canada? Well, I mean, y- we are open. Um, but at the same time, we're still like, there are still limits on how many people can be inside and whatnot, but to have a dinner party. Yes, we would, we would be able to have a dinner party, but again, I just. Just haven't had the invite. So if anyone's mm. there, wants to invite me. And you want to invite a nice man who's almost done with his PhD. Yeah, I would, uh, uh, I, 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 what's the word? I'd love to have a conversation 
I love to tell jokes. Um, I love to really do whatever you want me to do. Um, I'm mm -hmm. doing for it. So love it. But so, I didn't ask your question, did I? How do no, I get myself? <laughs> yeah, I'm, st I'm still waiting on that part, but I was gonna, you know, not gonna not gonna press you if you don't want to introduce yourself. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, I normally go by Luke. I used to always say because people used to laugh whenever I would say this because my mom used to say this. That she would say like, "You can call me whatever you want, just don't call me late for supper." And like people would laugh, and sometimes still like, especially like older audiences find that funny. But uh, Luke or Lucas, whatever you want. Normally, anything professionally, I just go by Lucas because uh, I don't want to be confused with the much better known Luke Wilson. So I, I do my best to differentiate myself on online. Well, well, Luke Slam Dunk Wilson is also how you can get into it. Um, we became friends over the Twitterverse a couple of years ago. We've never actually hung out in real life, and yet you're still one of the people I still call on FaceTime relentlessly. Um, and I love that. Which I'm thankful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, so first of all, let's update the world. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, Liberty University is the largest Christian university in the world in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, boasting, uh, champion, building champions for Christ or some shit. Training champions for Christ. Training champions for Christ. <laughs> Yours truly is one. I was, uh, I was trained at the one and only LU. Years and what did you get your degree in uh officially english unofficially like conservative religiosity and and politics um i don't know if i can say that i actually just i i earned a, a an academic degree there <laughs> per se but i can say that <laughs> I, I i certainly had an education whether or not it was academic is a different you know question yeah, I can imagine because you were also going through ex gay therapy at the time. So, just very, very like short sound wave bite. Like, while you were at Liberty University, what was the temperature around like that, that conversation? And what were they like? What was the shit that was going down with you while you were there? Yeah. So, I chose Liberty in large part because I wanted to go through their conversion therapy program. I knew that they had it. And so, I, as a young. You knew it before you even got there that it was an option available to you. Yeah. I remember when I got to. Fuck I, me, dude. I went, well, I went and visited Liberty six times on a charter bus. <laughs> yeah. That you paid money to go there ahead of time to see them well, ahead of time. That was actually free because my uncle worked for the university, but that's a separate story. But I did go down again on these these trips, and on one of the trips I saw they had these um, announcements on the screens in in the chapel, which was also their basketball stadium. And I saw that they had oh yeah, that's right. They cram everybody in, and then they they cut the thing in half, right? Well, this one they 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 don't cut in half um, because they actually have enough capacity, like en enough students, to fill this. It's a 10, <laughs> yeah, just imagine ten thousand of of young me's running around or young us's really. <laughs> oh yeah. God. I actually got into Liberty university. I didn't actually apply. I, I called for information over the phone and they told me I had been preliminarily accepted. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't have good grades. Like I know this about myself. Like I have, I'm a high schooler and I know that I have bad grades. Yeah. I'm and grade you just 10. told me. How am I being accepted? I'm in grade 10. What's going on? Yeah, this is too much. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so I was there. I saw that they had this conversion therapy program. They had announced it. I then decided that in large part, or I decided that, you know, if I'm going to go anywhere for school, um, I want it to be both a place academically, you know, inclined, which again, <laughs> not so much the case, but, or, and also, mm. you know, spiritually, I want to, I want to grow. So I chose Liberty for those reasons, but on top of that, and I think really at this point, looking back and thinking about what was the main driving force was their conversion therapy program. I wanted to be straight, I, or pardon me, I was told I wanted to be straight. You know, a, a number of mm -hmm. my, you know, uh, youth leaders, pastors, whatever, directly or indirectly had said, you know, uh, that, that heteronormativity and sort of the, the stereotypical, you know, nuclear marriage was uh, what we all wanted. And so mm. I believe that I followed through with that and I gave it the good old college try. Uh, you and me both, girl. So uh, that's what brought me there. Uh, Liberty there, though, to answer your question about what it was like while being in attendance. I mean, it's as wacky as you think it is, right? There, mm -hmm. there are some people who, who will write about Liberty and say like, oh, it's not as bad as you think. It's like, no, it's precisely what people think. 
Uh, it's no, terrible. it is as bad as you think, if not probably worse, because you don't hear about all the trauma because not everybody's talking about it. Exactly. Or exactly. People, a lot of people don't even know that that's what's happening to them. Right. And that's exactly it. Because if in fact they did know what was happening to them, a lot of folks would leave, right? Like a lot of folks would not sit through that. And, and the same thing, you know, looking back now, like, would I, had I known what was going on and, you know, and had I known uh, what I know now, would I have gone through Liberty for all four years or stayed at Liberty for all four years? Hell no. Like, of course. Hell to no. So, um, but yeah, it was fairly homophobic. There was a conversion therapy program. The, the campus itself is wildly homophobic. The professors, you know, and what they have to say to you and what you receive as academic credit is absolutely preposterous. Um, and, you know, in these classes, they talk about like the, the evils of queer theology and like how to respond in a loving way to the LGBTQ community, uh, this kind of stuff. And I still have all my PowerPoints, all my, you know, mm -hmm. uh, documents and workbooks and all this kind of stuff from Liberty. And it's just wild to look at <laughs> what, what we were taught and what we received academic credit for. Oh my God. Like my only time that I was, I went to, they have this thing in Virginia called boys state. Do you know what that is? Boys state? Boys state. There's actually a, uh, I think like a Hulu documentary about this. It's around the same thing, but it's actually housed at Liberty. Well, like they they have them all over the country. It's run by the, the American Legion of a veteran Republican, blah, 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 blahs. Um, but it's like, we're going to teach you about government and we're going to teach you how the government is run. And we're going to teach like, and it looks really, really good on applications and shit like that. But like, I found myself at Liberty university. Also, they make you wear a fucking uniform. <laughs> of I'm talking, yeah. you had uniforms. Oh, pardon me, pardon me, uniforms. Pardon me, we had a dress code. Who am I to say? I don't want to make anything mm. up. Uh, we had a dress code, not mm. a uniform. Pardon me. You're absolutely right. Um, oh. I misspoke. It's all good. Um, I forgive you for your sins. Um, my favorite part was me and uh, I found like the the one pocket of liberal kids who was at this event. Um, like uh, one guy actually stood like there was like a guy who I think it was like the lieutenant governor came in and he like I was actively opposed to same sex marriage. And a kid got up and just asked him point blank to his face, just like, why don't you think my parents should be married? And, and, like, and, I, and I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> is and this, so just like pardon me i interrupt i interrupted no you're good is this in any way connected to the american exceptionalism program which i also applied for when i was at liberty but uh um it sounds very familiar to be honest maybe they didn't want me because i was canadian but i don't know likely you know because like listen your canadian genes right. do yeah. not like even though you look like us you don't talk like us you don't think like oh my god but that like like that really is like Liberty's whole shtick is trying to create a bazillion little Republicans to go out into the world and continue the fight of the Republican God. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and it's and like it's like it's it's so fucking obvious. I think like since the last time we really talked was like Jerry Falwell Jr. had his big like not even really fall from grace. It's just like. Everyone was just like, oh, that was weird, huh? Like, that's how <laughs> everybody uncle. reacted. Yeah, drunk just drunk. Oh, my God, I'm a drunkle. <laughs> Drunkles? Maybe. How, what's a dr drunk gay uncle? Druguncle. A druguncle? <laughs> a drug uncle? No, I don't want to be a drug uncle. Shit. Drunk. Anyways, um, can you recap, like, what exactly happened? there because just like it's still like the, the details feel very like fuzzy to me it's like he had a mistress or he, not a mistress but a pool boy at one point yeah and yeah so so jerry falwell jr the son of jerry falwell senior of course uh who was the founder of, of the moral majority as well as liberty university as well as thomas Rowe baptist church one of the largest mega churches in the u.s i was the chancellor and then the president of liberty for uh over a decade from a, I think he came into power in 2007 or 2008. I don't remember. It's very yet. weird that the way that we say that is he came into power. <laughs> and power he like had, Kevin. Like, like the fucking like emperor of like the new galactic republic. <laughs> right. Also known as LU. 
And so he came, uh, he became the, again, the chancellor, then the president. And he, when I was there, I was there from 2008. So he was, I guess, just before, um, and then to 2012. In those years, he was, I mean, he was certainly doing and saying things that were a little off, off the beaten path for the evangelical world. But nonetheless, it wasn't too, too wild. Really, what happened was when he invited Trump to come speak uh, for the first mm-hmm. time, which was, I think, either 2012 or 2013, like, again, after I was there, um, he, in the fall of 2012, or maybe the, the spring of 2013, this is when things started to get weird, because a lot of people were like, wait a second, evangelicals and Trump don't go together. Of course, now, with our vantage point, we're thinking, of course, they go together, and they go together very well. Yeah. But at that point, it was still that Trump was this wacky tobacco, not wacky tobacco, that's something different. I don't know if you know <laughs> thing. But this wacky guy who, you know, a lot of people were like, how can any evangelical leader, you know, sign sign off on, on him coming to speak at their school? Well, he sure enough, he did. And as the years went on, there was more and more, there were more and more connections with Trump where he came back and spoke at convoc, or not just at convocation on Martin Luther King Day, but also at, uh, yeah, he, he also came and spoke at commencement. And then Mike Pence came and spoke the year after at commencement. And so there was this really strong connection there. But if we rewind what we have found out from a number of phenomenal investigative journalists, and if you listen to the podcast like Gangster Capitalism or In God We Lust, these are two podcasts that really track this entire narrative uh, in a really, really mm. thorough way. And Did you so, say In God We Lust? In God We Lust, it's phenomenal. You should listen to oh. the last of the season as well. You might hear someone you know. Is it, is it, is it? Is it, is it you, baby? It is I. It is I. It's my hair. Your hair looks phenomenal. Don't worry. Thank you. Um, Anyways, investigative journalism revealed what? So it turns out that Jerry Falwell and his wife, Becky, they went down to Miami to this swanky, also a, sort of a sexual, lascivious uh, a resort mm. uh, hotel kind of thing. Uh, called the Fount- La Fontaine Blue, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, I never, I never want to put on my French accent. I always feel like I'm, I'm trying too hard when I do that. So I just pretend. Well, when if is it a French place or is it a like a place with a Spanish? Because like, I don't actually. <laughs> is it La Fontaine or is La Fontaine or is it El Fountain? I think it's La Fontaine Blue. La Fontaine Blue. I don't know. Up. We'll look it up later. We'll figure it out. Anyways, so he goes down to this. They go down to this this uh, this spot in Miami, sexy resort. Yeah. And, and what happens is Becky gets super drunk, which is of course against the policies at Liberty University. And she hits on this pool boy who she finds really, really handsome, Giancarlo Granda. And she says, Hey, you should, we should meet up for a drink tonight. Okay. They meet up for a drink at another hotel. And she says to him, Hey, would you want to come back to our hotel room? Uh, and by our, I mean, my husband and mine and have you, uh, uh, and I copulate while my husband watches. He was a cuckold. And sure enough, he mm. said, yes, this sparks this relationship between the, the three for, mm. you know, a number of years. And they're delicious throuple. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Giancarlo's an absolute babe. So mm-hmm. uh, that's another story. Um, so they, they have this relationship for, for however long. He's being wined and dined by Jerry and his wife. Uh, he's meeting all these big wigs like Trump. Um, and eventually what comes out is that Joe wants out of this weird tangle and, mm-hmm. and Jerry and Becky, uh, don't really want him to specifically Becky. Cause of course she's having sex with this man. And she really, yeah, Becky's like, this is the only, like, no, he can't leave because if I, he leaves, I'm never going to have sex again. <laughs> right. We need Giancarlo. So what happens is they eventually, uh, he, he does sort of separate himself from Jerry uh, and then Liberty University finds out about all this craziness. And then from there, the media, of course, finds out about all this craziness. And there are these, you know, again, before really the this news hit the headlines, though, there were whispers, there were rumors that something mm-hmm. was going on. And the board of trustees at Liberty did absolutely nothing. Um, and a lot of students were calling upon the board of trustees, including myself, to say, hey, remove Jerry. And Jerry, nothing happened to him until finally all of this comes out. He first, mm-hmm. though, preemptively before the news breaks, he writes this article. And I think, what was it? The Washington Examiner. And he writes this article saying, it, you know, what's about to come out is, you know, that my wife, 
she's been cheating on me with this guy. So he totally like blames oh, her. And throws oh, all responsibility what on her shoulders. Absolving himself. And then, of course, the news breaks the next day. This isn't true. This is what actually happened. And Giancarlo's story is published or report uh, on Giancarlo's story is published. And Jerry is um, eventually he's removed from his post. But the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back with all of this, what actually got Jerry uh, removed from his from his position was that there was this photo that was posted of him on his Instagram with his belly showing and his, and his pants unzipped. And then this I remember that. Yeah, it was this weird, like weird photo of him. Um, but and this and this is before all of the big news breaks. Um, and it's him standing there with his pants unzipped next to this gal whose pants are unzipped, and apparently she worked for uh, I think she worked for Becky, if I'm not mistaken. If not, she was somebody connected to Liberty. And that was the photo that got him removed from his position. They were like, or at least temporarily placed on on hold. They're like, oh, such impropriety. Not the fact that up until this point. He had posted like racist tweets or a racist tweet, should I say? He had done all this craziness. He had like you know talked about Muslims and, and gestured towards shooting them with his hand, all this kind of stuff. He's then put on leave. Then the news breaks. He's then permanently taken out, out of his position. And then Jerry repeatedly afterwards kept coming on campus and trying to you know be buddy buddy with the students. And he eventually even crashed a, a party at Liberty, a student party. And that news broke. Wait, so that wasn't the only time he was... So he would just, like, come on campus at random times, even after he was removed? Well, yeah, he would come on, and he would come on for sports games. He also... His parents' graves are on campus, and so he would... He said, like, what's going to happen if I can't visit my parents' graves? And it's like, well, I mean... I, I guess know. we have to exhume the bodies and put them somewhere else, bro, because you're banned. Right. So then... And then again, like, there are a few other, like, stunts that he pulls, and he's been relatively quiet since. But all of this craziness surrounding Liberty has put it on uh, put a lot on a lot of people's radars. Even here in Canada, people are talking about Liberty University. And then, of course, you know, it's just funny when you hear that that discussion because you're like, who, no one knew of Liberty before. People in an older generation knew about Jerry Falwell Sr. because of his involvement in American politics. But as for mm-hmm. Junior, this is what really got his name mobilized. And this is what people now know him for, which is just... Mm-hmm. I mean, and this, I also just want to say for the record, we are not here to shame anyone who is in a non-monogamous relationship as I myself as a non-monogamous human. It is fine to do whatever you want between consenting adults. It is not fine to do that and then shame other people and tell them that they are sexual deviants, sinners against God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So listen, if I want to black out and go into a K-hole on my vacation... I don't want to hear shit from you, Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. And I love it too, right? They have the audacity to tell other people what they should or shouldn't do. Meanwhile, they're having all the fun in the world, right? And it's like, why, yes. why, can't, why can't more people just accept that they want to have the fun and have the fun and not feel bad about it? Instead, they they hide it mm-hmm. and they tell other people not to do it and destroy lives in that sense. While also when their lives are, are exposed for what they've done, that, that ruins their lives in turn. Why don't they just, from the very beginning, from the onset, be like, yeah, let's just, you know, have our fun. Be honest about what we want. And be honest about what we want. It is really, like, that's, like, for me, like, that's a long and short of it. And I also want to say, I think that there is a number. I mean, like, you look at just, like, uh, I've been listening to Esther Perel's um, Mating in Captivity and The State of Affairs, which is just, like, two great books on it where, like, we're examining, like, what happens uh you know, during the course of infidelity, but also why is it that like, you know, we hold the monogamous relationship up as this giant normative thing. And yet, you know, infidelity and sexual quote unquote deviance is as time honored a tradition as monogamous marriage and monogamous relationships. Mm -hmm. Well, even if you look at like, you know, you go back, you know, centuries. There were so many different configurations of of people when it came to marriage and also like loverships, where mm-hmm. there'd be a wife or a husband, and then they'd be off doing whatever they want with whomever else. And it's like this has been part of you know people's lives for for centuries. But you know, once we get you know American evangelicals who who uphold this narrative that you know human sexuality is static, it's always between one man and one woman, and mm-hmm. it's never been different. It's like if only we were to like peel back the layers and of history and and do it sort of a genealogy of sexuality and how people have related uh, for for decades and centuries, we would see very very quickly 
that what evangelicals mm-hmm. hold up as this, you know, nuclear family model has almost never been the case. <laughs> and it's like, Ding how did you get tricked here? And that's the thing. And I think it's because like, uh, you, you, I mean, I mean, capitalism. Because <laughs> it's like, it's just like, this is, this is the system that we're setting up. This is how you make your money. And the best way for you to make your money is if you get, you pair off and you continue but also we're going to like make your babies go to work later in life too. So no worries. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so like, that's like your history with Liberty since then you have been, even though like your PhD studies are on the Holocaust, your like, what your like work is kind of like been known for is like a sharing your story about like what happened at Liberty university with you as well as, um, kind of amplifying other voices through the religious exemption, uh, REA accountability project. I had to spell it. I had to spell it. Yeah. No. Um, and just like, because like, uh, what is reap? What is the, what is the lawsuit that y'all are taking, uh, to court? Yeah. So, uh, since Liberty, you're right. I've been most of my my research is on the Holocaust, but what I've been writing about publicly and and also talking about publicly has been about Liberty, which led me to uh, uh, the Religious Exemption Accountability Project and the lawsuit that we're bringing forth against the U.S. Department of Education. What the religious sue government- the government, take their money, bro. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, so what's going to happen is, or what is happening, should I say? is that this lawsuit's being brought forth. Uh, What we're saying is that we don't think that religious colleges and universities should be able to receive taxpayer dollars, right? So money from uh, the Department of Education, uh, if they are actively Mm -hmm. discriminating against LGBTQ students. uh, And and we're saying that in the same way that you can't discriminate on the basis of race or sex, you can't discriminate on the basis of sexuality uh, or sexual orientation or uh, gender identity and expression. Uh, and so we're just thinking, we're, we're, really what we're arguing is that, you know, queer students on Christian campuses should be treated equally and with dignity. I don't think it's mm-hmm. crazy or much to ask for. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. yeah. And so when you're like thinking, I think the first argument that people are automatically going to throw at you is just like, but it's the Christian school and people should know what they're getting into when they're going to a Christian school. And it's just like, I mean, I understand that that is how I used to think as well, but it's like, do you want somebody's child to feel like shit? Right. And I think like, that response too ignores like a multiplicity of reasons for why queer folks are on these campuses Right. It's like, mm-hmm. in some sense, yes, these are Christian campuses that hold these horrible views. Um, and in, in some sense, yeah, they're they are they are entitled to have these views. Should they have these views? Hell no. Right. Like, none mm-hmm. of us are advocating for these folks to have these views. What we're saying is if they are to receive taxpayer dollars. Right. So if they want right. to be treated like other schools who also receive taxpayer dollars, that they have to choose either treat queer students with dignity and respect and equally or finance their own their their finance their homophobia on their own dime right so if in mm-hmm. fact they want to go forward with these uh with with withholding fast to these beliefs they need to be paying for it themselves they should not and mm. be allowed to uh, yeah you know use use taxpayer money yeah and they shouldn't be able to claim religious exemption because just like oh no we're allowed to discriminate because i mean because we are associated with the church, I'm just like, no, if you, that's fine if you want to do that. But again, like every public university that I have ever been a part of who has received public dollars has to play by the same rules. And you private know, church- too, right? Like if you think yes. about like Duke, Vanderbilt, Yale, whatever, these private schools, they're also funded federally, right? They receive mm-hmm. money from the government. Therefore, they have to abide by the same rules. So you can't pick and choose and say, oh, because we're, we're we want to, to to discriminate on the basis of our sincerely held beliefs, it's like, it doesn't matter because you might also have sincerely held beliefs about women or about people who are of a different race, but you can't discriminate mm-hmm. on, the, on, on the basis of those two identity or facets of identity. Yeah. So you, you, might, believe, you well. might believe based on biblical principles that black people and white people, like white people should only marry other white people. And if there's an interracial couple talking to one another, 
Like you can't discriminate against them just because you don't like the fact that they're they're together. That's not how this works, Brenda. No. And like that that's the thing I think is like so crazy. It's just like we point this out like like this like this like similarity between like these two arguments it's just like you're allowed to feel whatever you want about whatever you want to feel you just can't you can't do this to people and expect to have the same privileges and government protections uh as other people who are getting the same shit don't go anywhere a tiny revolution will be right back in just a second And I think the other question that people oftentimes ask is, okay, so if that's the case about, you know, we, there, this school needs to be, uh, you know, in, in compliance with uh, anti-discrimination policies uh, based on the fact that they're drawing upon federal funds. The other question is, okay, so why are, why are queer students even there in the first place, right? And a lot of people mm-hmm. ask this question, which I think is ultimately such like a, an unfair question as well as a question that reflects a total lack of empathy because you have queer mm-hmm. people everywhere. Right, like Period. the president of Ron, who said that we don't have gay people, and <laughs> Ron, you're like, oh, okay, but it's like at all Liberty, right at Bob Jones, at Azusa Pacific, at George Fox, mm-hmm. take your pick on whichever Christian school you want to yeah. know, talk about. Whether whether they are aware of their sexuality or who they're attracted to or not, like they can go in like in the same position that you and I did going into our undergrads, which is we're actively seeking to change our orientation. And we think going to a Christian school is gonna help us maintain our uh, our heteronormativity in order to maintain loyal to the church. Right, and our souls in some sense, right? Because we were always oh, talking yeah. about like, either straight or uh, straight and hell. saved or gay and choosing the lifestyle, whatever the hell that lifestyle is. And then on top of that, forfeiting your soul, right? And so- yeah. It's, it's a crazy, of course, choice <laughs> as if it's that easy uh, to make. But I think another part, too, is that, yeah, you have queer kids who don't know their sexuality. I have a number of friends from Liberty who have come out uh, as bi or queer or, or even gay um, after Liberty. But on top of that, you can think about people who are there for scholarships, whether it be sports or academic scholarships. You can think about people whose parents said, I'm not sending you anywhere else but Liberty or Wheaton or, you know, mm-hmm. which Cedarville, whichever. Uh, unless you are, I'm not sending you to college unless you go to one of these schools, right? And so there are a number of reasons why folks end up at these schools. The question is, how are those folks to be treated, right? How how are these school, how are we, how are we expecting these schools to treat them? And of course, again, if they are drawing upon taxpayer money, they have to be in a compliance with these anti discrimination policies. Um, or mm-hmm. again, they can finance their homophobia uh, on their own dime. Do you think so? Here's a real question, like. Do you think that this could actually work? Because the American justice system is fucked. Right. right. Uh, I do think so. Uh, I do think that the courts, um, the way that they're stacked right now is not favorable. But I also know that the courts that um, have been stacked as they are have you know, decided uh, a few cases in favor of queer folks, which has been mm-hmm. uh, phenomenal. But on top of that, I think that there is precedent set, right? That Bob Jones, uh, mm-hmm. back in yes, thousand or so, they yeah, had the, a lot. Uh, the racism one against like yeah. uh, a black student on campus. Yeah, exactly. And and, and the interracial fact, dating. Yeah, and they lost, right? And so I think that there has been precedent set. I mean, even if you think about Title IX and what Title IX protects, again, that's anything uh, uh, sex based, right? And so mm-hmm. I think in a similar vein, though of course not necessarily uh, the same. Uh, when we talk about, you know, uh, sexual orientation and or gender uh, identity and or expression, right, these are connected. And I think on top of that, if we're thinking about race, these are all parts of what make us us. These are all parts of human identity. And so since the course, the courts have have, have um, landed on the side of what is right and actually protecting minority folks in these other contexts, I think that we have a good case uh, for this for this lawsuit. Not to mention how, and again, this isn't within the with the U.S., but it's in Canada. There was a law school here, uh, Trinity Western, in British Columbia, in Canada, um, and they had a policy against queer folks, and they lost. The, the Supreme Court of Canada uh, was like, "Nah, like you can't have a law school be accredited if you're going to, uh, you know, discriminate against a number of your students or potential students." And so uh, that I think is another precedent that's been set uh, that hopefully the this case or the the lawyers for this case. Uh, will be drawn upon. Mm. 
I love it when we're almost on the brink of victory. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> it's it's a- it is. And I, I think like there's like the there's a part of me that remains hopeful. Like also just like a, I'm also like, of course, like always hesitant to like rejoice, but like I don't want to count any chickens before they hatch and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like this is like where I cut my teeth is like is in activism and in trying to get this shit done. Um, as you've been like, you know, talking to multiple outlets and talking to multiple people about this particular story, um, have you noticed there been any like shift in public conversation? Cause I know like the big thing that's come out too, like the, the, um, the documentary pray away came out and has like begun to like really spark conversations around like how conversion therapy is still happening around the country. What have you noticed, at least in your corner? What's the shift in conversation been? Nothing too drastic. I, to be honest, I have received the question of, so does conversion therapy work? A lot less. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, exactly, right? Wait, was that ever a question? Your face says it all. That's precisely it. The number of people who have asked me, so what you're saying is it doesn't work, or so it doesn't work? Like, they'll ask it in different ways. But again, it's always just absolutely startling where you're like, you wait, that was your question? Like, that's what you want to know based on like, what I've I just been, said? I just told you that, like, my life was in danger multiple <laughs> times. I was a danger to myself. Like, multiple people are still killing themselves. And you want to know, well, does it work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Girl, look at my lips and you tell me. <laughs> Pretty important, bitch. Like, my God. And for those of you who are listening to this later, I have bright purple lips on right now. Oh, and they're adorable. Mm. Metallic. Just a little bit, but still a nice suede finish. And also it doesn't transfer. Oh. Just kidding. A little bit transfer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a baby queen. <laughs> She's growing. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to, to find joy. Like that's like, I think what, it breaks my heart in so many ways that like there are still so many. I mean, I will say that there's a lot that like gives me hope because uh, I'm seeing like students on these campuses starting to like build community and camaraderie and like really rally around each other. And like, I just wish I could go in and rescue them and take them to a different affirming university somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, it's just like, I get the the feeling of, I deserve to be anywhere I want to be. And if I want to be here, I should like, I shouldn't have to fight to just exist here. Well, it's like, you know, I have, I'll have like students from Liberty and also from other schools who have reached out since. Um, and they'll talk about their experiences, which some of them are just absolutely awful. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are because they're closeted. They have a different story. And again, still awful in its own right. But you'll have these folks who reach out and they are, oftentimes saying like, I just, I just don't know what I think about being, if being gay is okay or not. And it, like you're saying, it breaks my heart too. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, if I could just go back and, and, and rescue me or rescue all these folks and just like, in some ways, like you wanted to shake them and be like, what makes you think that it's not okay. But then of course you have to, again, sort of put yourself back in their shoes and think about where, where they are and where you were at that point where you thought this will never happen. This is not even within the realm of possibility that I can become mm-hmm. straight or pardon me, that I can, that I can be queer and love God or just be queer in general. Again, some people, mm-hmm. you know, lose their faith and that's, that's that. Um, yeah. Other people, they keep their faith or their faith changes in drastic and probably really life-giving ways. And I think that what happens is that whenever I hear these folks, you know, talk about how they're experienced or how they're still not sure if they, they, they are on the side of, of, of affirming theology, it, it, it's it's in some ways mind-boggling, but again, it it's also takes that like extra step of, I guess, empathy uh, to say, "Hey, I I was there once too, and that was actually quite tough to navigate or negotiate the mm-hmm. like, relationship to my sexuality." But again, from our vantage point, it's like the question is there is no question; it's just an answer, and that's mm-hmm. that we're gay, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that is, I think, the part of my healing, and I think a lot of people's healing that maybe we have yet to embrace because we don't understand that it's like, it's like as weird as it sounds like when Jesus says, pray for your enemies, it's like, you know, 
pray that they would open their eyes and also like try to understand why they're doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, have empathy for them because it's like, they were like, nobody does nothing for no reason. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there is a reason they are treating you the way they're treating you. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense if you consider the facts. And once you consider that, and at least for me, I recognize that all those people who could not love me, who could not accept me, literally could not do it because in their schema, if they accept me, they're in the dangers of the fires of hell. And bitch, I'm not risking my soul for your soul. Like, Jesus did that for you, you know? And so, like, it, again, like you said, I, I get it too. Because I was there. I was the biblical literalist. I was the person who needed, like, to be... Sh- I Basically, I needed a burning bush to show me the way out. Exactly. And, and at this point... Again, like I would never go back anywhere close to the church. I have no desire to go back to the church. The church, um, and it's not even just because how the church treated me. I mean, that certainly is part mm. of it. But there's so much more to like why I'm not mm. a Christian anymore. But mm-hmm. what I would say is that for people who do have these beliefs, my goal is never to you know have those people give up their faith or uh, you know uh, wholesale reject Jesus, God, whatever. My goal and what I do in my, my scholarship, as well as my, my public facing work, as well as conversations in general, is to make those people better versions of whatever they are. If they're, uh, you know, a Lutheran, great. Let's make you a better, let's hopefully, by, through our conversation, be a better Lutheran. Hopefully, if you're an Episcopalian, our conversation or our, my work will in some way inform your mm-hmm. faith to make you a better, you know, uh, you know, a person of that specific tradition. And I think that what happens with Christianity or pardon me, with, with evangelicalism should I say, is that uh, they'll talk about how people, you know, once they leave the faith, like, first of all, the question whether or not they ever were saved, but they'll make them into these like awful heretics wrote to destroy the church. No, I'm not trying to destroy the church. I think that there are certain parts that if people want to salvage can be salvaged. And I think that that's the kind of stuff, uh, that's the kind of work contrary to the narrative that evangelicals push uh, is that I is, is, is the work that I want to do. And it's the work that mm-hmm. I think is life-giving and important. Because, like, that's where I'm at. I'm just like, I'm not very interested in destroying the church. The church is doing a fine job of that themselves, you know? <laughs> like, they usually, they're trying to destroy the I'm like, no, like, you guys have, you do that yourself every single day. I'm literally over here. I'm, I am Michael Jackson with a popcorn gif. You know, just. <laughs> right. Yeah, nom, nom, nom. And I'm just like. I'm sitting over here having a good time eating my meal, you know, and I'm saying, you want to come hang out with us? Like you just can't be an asshole over here. That's the only rule. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing. If you would repent and stop being an asshole, like it would be so much easier, but like, it's like, if you, like, yeah, people think that we're a lot more mean than we are. I think I'm just like, no, nah, just, we're just having more fun. Yeah. No, it's funny. Cause like people, two things. One people, People will oftentimes say, and I've gotten this a lot, that Luke, you're so angry. And two, they're two. You? <laughs> right. You're angry. Like, I, this is, I guess this is compared to me because, like, I am like, like, steam comes out of my ears sometimes, but you're so. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you, seen you. Livid. I can yeah, be, anyway. I can be angry. I swear, I, I can be angry. I could be mad, bro. Sorry. So they say, Luke, you're so angry. Well, there's two things with that. First of all, in general, no, I'm not angry. Like you're saying, like, I'm a pretty, like, happy, you know, happy-go-lucky, whatever, sort of, like, enjoying life kind of guy. And like you're saying, having a lot of fun doing it. But the other side is that when it comes to certain issues and it comes to certain topics, absolutely, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think this is sometimes a a way of, of, of gaslighting someone saying like, Oh, you're so angry or not gaslighting. What should mm-hmm. I say of, of, of really redirecting the attention away from the church and onto the person who's angry. Right. Instead of saying, right. Hey, what you're angry about, what your, uh, what your critique is about the church. Instead of saying, let's, let's examine that and address that for what it is. It, it's a way of saying, okay, let's look at that anger, but let's redirect it back to you and then say, why are you so, or, you know, no, maybe not even why they don't really care why you're angry because if they did care why we were angry they, they just address the issues but instead yeah but- simply of just putting this light and saying here you're angry look how angry you are and it's a way of of re or it's a diverting the attention away from 
are where the attention should be, and that's on the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know it's it's a way of 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 absolving themselves or just kind of making it so that they don't have to address what the critique mm-hmm. is. And I think it's a really like uh, what's the word? Um, it's both smart and cunning, but also like mm-hmm. terribly insidious, right? Where it's yeah, and also thinking- like that's it's like built into the culture. Like people don't even realize that they're doing it because they were just taught anger is bad. If you're ever angry, like you know, if you're ever angry with your brother, you're in dangers of the fires of hell. I'm like, that's not what Jesus is fucking talking about. Like he's like, I think Jesus is saying, if you hold on to anger for like no fucking reason, like you're the one who's stuck. That's what he's saying. You know, it's not like, you know, if my brother came up to me and like stabbed me in the eye or like, you know, continuously like berated me, you know, for being gay, then I have a reason to be angry with my brother. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Which all of yeah. my actual like biological brothers are wonderful. I might add. Mine too. We both have, we're both the, are we both the youngest out of? No, I, I'm the third of four. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm the youngest out of five. I also have a sister, but, um, but I do have three brothers. The youngest of five. Quiverful, baby. Got that right. Although Keith and Cheryl were not uh, part of the church. I didn't grow up in the church. How did you end up there again? Just youth group shit? Youth group? I mean, here's the thing. When we were little, when we were little, really little, my, my, my mom would take us to, to church. But about grade two onwards, it was like not even a thing. We, would put, we just went to the cottage, <laughs> like all the other good Canadian families. But even when we were going to church, it was never. Wait, what's the, co- what's the cottage? Oh my gosh. A cottage is a second home. It's like your country home, like by a lake and mine, oh. my Lake Erie. It's in Niagara. Does everyone have a cottage? Not everyone, but a good number of people do. And like, it's always like this big, you know, thing to go to the cottage. And so, uh, I thought, I thought like when you were saying like the cottage, this is like some weird religious thing that everybody just <laughs> sort of went to in Canada. They're like, yeah, you know, the cottage. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, no, we, we, uh, but even can we, can we, can we open a club called The Cottage? Yeah, I think it's only appropriate. Um, <laughs> the Cottage. Anyways. <laughs> um, no, we, we went, but even when we were going to church before that, it was never a consistent thing. Because again, we were we would go to the cottages, you know, then as well. Um, or just not go. But like when we were there, it was there for a few weeks or whatever. But again, my mom was certainly not like the, the Christian mom that anyone else in the church had. My dad was an agnostic. And so... My mom, if at best, was like haunted by her like Baptist demons her entire life, and so whether or not mm. that makes her a Christian, I don't know. But um, she certainly didn't. You know, I would say like that's like the majority of Southern women is like <laughs> just like not necessarily Christians themselves, just haunted by Baptist demons. Yeah, yeah. What is it? that's how Flannery O'Connor she describes the South that way, right? She says the the South is Christ haunted. Oh my God! Yeah. That's exactly what it's not even. It's not even haunted. It's haunted by white Jesus. Yeah, yeah it's not even haunted. It's currently ruled. It's currently ruled and overseen by white Jesus. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say Jesus. Anyway, um, that's that. Never mind. I yeah. I digress. Yeah, another podcast for another time. Um, well, we are coming up on time and I don't want to keep us longer than we because I know you have things to get to and I have things to get to as well. Um, thank you for coming on and talking with me about about Reap, about the wildness of Liberty University. And, you know, um, I guess like, you know, I always like to ask like for people who've been there, if there is some little Christian person who may be queer or an ally or progressive or whatever at some university that happens to be christian and discriminates the shit out of them what's the little message that you want to say what do you want to say to those people oh goodness you're wonderful and you're you're queer don't Mm -hmm. fight it don't run from it celebrate it and live into it yeah that's what i was just thinking i'm just like you're so wonderful and i love you right back at you times a thousand yeah uh, okay, so please tell people on the internet where they can find you, your work, um, and learn more about the Religious Exemption Accountability Project, a- aka REAP. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Luke Slim Dunk Wilson. That's where I post a lot of my podcasts as well as, or the podcast I'm on, should I say, as well as the uh, articles that I've written, uh, and also some of my academic work is on there too. 
Uh, also, if you're on Twitter, I'm at Wilson underscore F as in Frederick, W as in William, Brandon Williams. And that's how you can find me. And if you're looking for any information about REAP, uh, type into Google uh, REAP or the Religious Exemption Accountability Project, and you will find all of their information on their website as well as their socials. You say that so quickly, like, <laughs> like it's, no, a, it's, a, it's like when Canadians like rattle off LGBTQ and then they do 2STI plus. Right. No, I, I sound like my, my grandpa. He, he, he was like a, he spoke so quickly. He sounded like a barnyard animal, like, like a turkey. So I just talk a mile a minute and it's like my biggest downfall because I need to like actually train myself to slow the heck down. The hake. That was my conversation with my friend Luke Slam Dunk Wilson. And that's where you can follow him on Instagram, at Luke Slam Dunk Wilson. Um, Luke's a really, really wonderful human. You'll love uh, following his work. And um, I'm just really thankful for the brave souls who are telling their stories. There's so much happening at Liberty University. So much shit is getting uncovered and it's happening because students are actually standing up um, and doing the right thing. So shout out to all the brave folks at Liberty for uh, who are doing their thing. Uh, I pray for you daily, honestly. That place, what a hellhole. Anyways, um, that's it for this week's episode of A Tiny Revolution. I really love doing this so much, and I love the community that we're creating together. If you want to join in on more conversation, connect with more people who are probably you know deconstructing their faith or going through a similar spiritual journey like maybe the ones you hear on this podcast, join us over at the Crowded Table Online Spiritual Community. It's the Patreon group that I run, and come, going forward, we've got a lot of cool stuff going on. We're about to talk to some folks about becoming mods uh, for our our, our, uh, our Discord channel. That's what it's called. Um, I'm trying to do some maybe like holiday movie watchathons. Maybe you know what I'm saying. Um, I have some ideas for like some online retreats and maybe some in-person retreats. So if any of that kind of stuff interests you and you want to be the first to know about it. Go check out patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. All right. Until next week, take your meds, call your person, eat something delicious, shake your ass and tell somebody that you love them. And also tell yourself that you love you. I'll see you next week. Bye baby. Mwah.